Blog Talk Radio. Good morning, listeners. You've reached the Voices of the Cannabis War, where we are here to deliver to you the current news, what is going on in this world, and how we can help change it. Um, This show is brought to you by volunteers. It's brought to you by prisoners. It's brought to you by other activists in order to help end the cannabis war on the plant. Um, The information we give to you is real, and it's what's going on, and it's what you won't hear in other news stations or on your local television set. Um, The the stuff we talk about here are things that um, we go through in the cannabis world, and we want to thank CCHI to give us this platform in order for us to do this show, and none of the volunteers on the show get paid. We are strictly here to give you the voices from the war. Uh, This week's show, um, my name, first of all, is Kristen Floor, and I'm joined with the other host, Eugene Fisher, who served 25 years of a life sentence for the show, or for the plant. Um, This week we're going to talk, and our show is an award-winning show, and we're going to discuss the Federal One scheduling of marijuana. Uh, The first 30 minutes of the show, we're going to be joined with Mark and Craig Wasserman. Um, They're called the Pot Attorneys down in California. Um, Eugene's gotten pretty close with them. And we're going to also just we're going to discuss their views about the Schedule One drug law. They are state attorneys, so we're going to get what they schedule one uh, federal law. And then at ten o'clock, um, Miggy Miguel is going to call in, and we are going to talk about Lance Gore's trial. He is unable to come on our show because of of some things um, that's going on in his case right now. But he had a trial last week, um, all week, regarding Schedule One, and his trial has made history. I mean, this case is the best thing for our movement right now that that could happen. And I'll tell you now, he was found guilty of two charges and two charges he was found not guilty of. So, you know, we're considering this a huge win for for the for the marijuana industry. And I'll, we'll tell you why later. A lot of people are like, "Oh, he he got guilty on two, that's not good." But it actually is. So, we're we're going to talk about it cuz Lance, you know, there's some articles out there that says that he's facing up to 40 40 years and that's just not true. So, we're going to talk about it at 10 o'clock, so be prepared to hear all the all the juicy details. Also, at about 10:15, we're also going to talk about Martin Nickerson, and in about uh, in the, the he he's um, got two co-defendants. They're all three known as the Bellingham Three. In about 10:15, we're going to go to Mindy's update. Oh my goodness, does she have a lot to talk about too? And we're hoping to hear from Stephanie Landa um, regarding Let Freedom Grow. She's got an amazing thing, 501c3, going on. So if you want to help prisoners with commissary money, tune in today. This is an important show. Um, Good morning, Eugene. How are you? Are you there? Good morning. Good morning. Um, Good morning. How are you, Kristen? Can you you hear me? Yes, I can hear you. (laughs) Okay. Uh, I'm doing fine. I'm here in California. And uh, out here in the West where the movement is strong and uh, with people of kindred spirits, uh, uh, and, of course, I'm talking with you this morning and you and Mindy, and uh, it's uh, it's good, just good to be alive and be part of this uh, this dynamic movement and, and the show we're going to have. Uh, the Wassermans who are calling in are known as the uh, pot attorneys. And uh, they're, uh, uh, they'll be able to talk very knowledgeably about the California laws 
and hopefully uh, give us a little insight into federal laws and and, and uh, state laws and how they clash. Uh, nice. We'll also also George George Monterano. We're going to have him on for his uh, Georgie's Corner, and uh, and of course we're going to have uh, our regular Craig uh, Cecil, uh, who who calls us every Sunday from behind bars, uh, doing a life sentence for marijuana. Uh, unbelievable. Uh, his case is unbelievable. If you get into the details of it, uh, just totally absurd. As so much that so many of these cases are. So uh, anyway, that's uh, that's about uh, the lay of the land for the morning, huh, Christian? That's about <laughs> where we're going. Well, uh, we've we've got our topic today, which is Schedule One. Um, and that's a that's a let's let's just open up by saying what that is. Um, the Schedule One drug says that marijuana is still a Schedule One drug, just like heroin, because the government says that it's um, Schedule Two and Three say that they have medical value, but um, Schedule One drug means it has no medicinal value at all, which is kind of confusing because you know we believe that it does. The whole nation is using it as medicine. The federal government has not descheduled the drug as of yet. And because of that, regardless of the medicinal value that we find it has, the government refuses to see that. So we've created, you know, decades and decades uh, worth of prisoners. You know, Christian, you're incarcerated for 25 years because of their scheduling of the Schedule One drug. And when you say say that, I want the audience to understand There's no doubt in anybody's mind. I mean, just look at it. You can be pro or not, or con uh, uh, cannabis, but everybody, the evidence is out there that it helps. It is a medicine. Uh, I'd like uh, I'd like uh, uh, some of these politicians to talk to some of the mothers whose children have epilepsy and they're and they're they're at least cured to a degree. That they can't with any other medicine, by by uh, cannabis. Uh, that's okay. proof. It's out there. You know, it's it's non-debatable. And uh, there's so many other things, of course, that uh, work. Uh, people are using it me- for medical reasons, and uh, you know, to say that it has no medicinal purposes is just wild. It's just unbelievable. It's like well, a story thing. I'm here on the Wikipedia, and it says that uh, it's a Schedule One drug um, for the following reasons. Uh, the drug or other substance has higher potential for abuse. Um, the drug or other, su- or other substance has no currently accepted medical use treatment in the United States. Okay, there, and then number three, there is lack of acceptance safety. There is a lack of accepted safety for the use of the drug or other substance under the medical supervision. So for those reasons, the the, um, the federal government keeps it under a controlled Schedule One drug. Yeah, isn't it isn't it absurd to say it has no known medicinal uh, purposes and uses when there is evidence that it does? Very strong yeah. evidence. Yeah, that's, it's ridiculous. Um, if marijuana doesn't have any medical value, then how come our children are using it to cure their their as their seizures? Our, mm-hmm. our, our people are using it to cure cancer, but yet 
it's still um, the government still considers it a dangerous drug and would like to incarcerate even more people because of it. The audience knows that uh, about half of the people in prison today in the United States, which has the highest incarceration rate of the world, half of them are in for drugs. And of those half that are in for drugs, half are in for marijuana. So right there, if you if you decriminalize marijuana, you could reduce your your prison population by one quarter. That's astonishing. Wow. wow! It could be one of the biggest forces for changing our whole penal system, which is kind of accepted knowledge today that something is dramatically wrong to put this many people in prison. You know. Okay. And uh, well, that, that's one quick solution. Well, I'm looking at the scheduling of the drugs. I'm looking at this. We've got, you know, some of them I can't pronounce, um, but the ones that I can see here, we've got heroin, which is a Schedule One drug. Um, we've also got LSD on here, which is a Schedule One d- drug. Marijuana, um, which is Schedule One. But then we go to the Schedule Two drugs, and that's kind of confusing because you know, that's a less of a – Schedule 1 is the, the worst. Um, Schedule 2, we've got cocaine, methamphetamine, um, oxyco- oxycodone, morphine, um, opium. That's Schedule 2, and I can think of all those things seem to be a lot worse than marijuana to me. I mean, I don't know why marijuana would be on one, one um, with heroin, but – Two is all is the cocaine and the meth and stuff like that. Um, when I look at the Schedule Three drugs, it goes down to say um, steroids is on that one. Uh, ketamine, I don't know. I don't know. Um, I've heard of that one before. Uh, Benzatempum, I don't know how to pronounce it, but stands out to me on this one on Schedule Three is Marinol. Marinol is a um, part, it is a marijuana. It is, it's, I don't know exactly how they do it, but the Marinol don't make you high, but it has the stuff, the stuff in the marijuana that don't make you high. But that's a Schedule 3. So I'm, I'm kind of confused on that one too. I just don't understand the scheduling of the drugs. I think they got them scheduled wrong. I don't even think marijuana deserves to be on the schedule schedule at all. Yeah, it's, um, uh, you, you know, uh, more and more uh, evidence is coming out that the whole war on drugs, the whole war on drugs, not just on marijuana, the war on drugs itself has been a misplaced policy. And there are countries now that are legalizing all drugs and treating them when someone has a bad habit say they're a heroin addict and it's destroying their life, they give them treatment for that rather than get put them in prison, rather than criminalize it. And uh, uh, the two countries that st- recently done it that stand out are, are Portugal and uh, Uruguay. And uh, just like with alcohol prohibition, uh, when it ended, the fear was, they said, the people who are opposed to ending alcohol prohibition said, well, everyone's going to be a drunk then. It's going to go rampant. And it didn't happen. And the same thing, countries that legalize drugs, it isn't, there isn't a rampant drug uh, uh, epidemic that follows. 
drug taking mm-hmm. epidemic, epidemic uh, it, uh, it, it in fact uh, usually decreases uh, use of bad drugs decreases when once uh, there's legalization. Um, Mindy sent me a message that said that Marinol is a synthetic weed and it's lab created. That there is no real cannabis in it. So I was confused about the Marinol, which is a Schedule Three drug. But Mindy just clarified that for us. For all of our okay. listeners, Mindy is our uh, our producer of the show, so you guys know. Um, so we've got another call on there, and as we wait to find out if they are the pot the pot uh, attorneys or not, um, we're going to check out to see. Um, Eugene, what what do people say from behind bars about marijuana being a Schedule One? It's uh, uh, everybody in in the incarceration system. I'm talking from guards guards down. Everyone I've known uh, look at it like it's it's insane that it be such a scheduled drug and uh, that people get the sentences they do for marijuana. It used to be uh, Craig Cecil is a regular on our show gets interviewed from behind bars as a life sentence for. Marijuana says that uh, when he meets a guard, uh, many of the guards there they just shake their heads and say, "How did you get a life sentence for marijuana?" And uh, you know that's uh, it, some of the comments made sometimes when I was doing my time was, uh, "Oh, uh, uh, there must have been an awful lot of marijuana involved in your case," and I think that's beside the point because the point is that it shouldn't be illegal. That's the whole point. And the thing that makes it illegal is the government's classification right now. Uh, if you go to any state that has allowed for medical marijuana and some for recreational marijuana, there's a conflict, and they'll say it with the federal government because it has it as Schedule One. The Schedule One makes it illegal still, makes it, makes it a, a federal offense. And uh, that could, that's a, a, a direct confrontation of state, states' rights, by the way, Christian. Uh, the states that have, and the, they're becoming more numerous every day, the states have made medical marijuana legal. Uh, the, the, the federal government's stance is in direct conflict with them. And, and the doctrine of states' rights is a simple doctrine that says that the states are, are an entity along with the federal government and have, have uh, rights, the rights that aren't ceded to the federal government. And those usually fall really in the realm of self-defense and uh, that sort of thing, not in the area of uh, classifying a drug one way or the other. Uh, they, there's a, a, a real conflict. And I think, I think we're, in the next election we're going to see whether it's a Democrat or Republican that come to office, I think we're going to be see favorable uh, something favorable done for the movement as to marijuana's being declassified. That's my feeling. I agree. I agree. In fact, we've got plans of our own um, to help de deschedule marijuana. We we would like to bring the voices of the cannabis war straight to D.C. and tell the president ourselves to deschedule the plant. Or actually the new coming president to deschedule the plant. And we want to be able to have an effect on Congress. Um, we know that the president can deschedule it any second. He could say, take it off the list or reschedule it. 
which I, I, I particularly don't even want to see it on the schedule. I don't think it belongs there at all. But um, he could, he has that power right now to do it, and Congress has the power to do it as well. So um, it's, I feel like kind of uh, we all feel like if, if the Congress and the president could hear all the pain and the suffering that keeping marijuana a Schedule One drug has caused our nation, that maybe they would be compelled to stop incarcerating us by changing the schedule. Yes, that's correct. Uh, our, our guests, our invited guests, I, I gather, haven't called in yet, uh, have they? No, we're waiting, and we have not got got them in yet. Okay. Um, no, they are not here. We've only got about ten minutes before Craig calls in. And well, maybe got, maybe, maybe you want to. Do you, do you want to talk about the trial you've attended? Uh, well, I don't. I don't want to talk about it until Miggy's on. Um, we've we've got quite okay. a lot to talk about. It's, it's a, and I don't think I can talk about it in the length of time that we have between now and the time that Craig Cecil comes on. Okay, okay. Um, I, I'd like to make that point though that that there, there's continuous. Uh, as Christian has uh, attended a trial uh, uh, in her state. There are in states where medical marijuana has been approved, and there are uh, dispensaries and people functioning within the framework of law in the states. There's still going on prosecutions, uh, many cases, federal prosecutions, and uh, that's where the conflict comes in. That's one of the reasons wh- why we, we feel so strongly that the federal law must be changed, must be affected. So, uh, so that, that that prosecution can't go, those prosecutions can't go on. Uh, the uh, the um, schedule one must fall. That's a, that's known. As Christian said, we're going to announce a little more as we get more of the plans in line. As uh, a, a coalition of of advocacy groups in which we, as Val, will be def- definitely one of the participants and maybe helping lead the thing, we're going to make a march to Washington where we can, uh, we're going to attempt to have representatives of the movement talk to the president and to Congress about this very thing. Uh, hopefully receive a receptive ear because uh, what Christian just mentioned, can be, it can be done, the change from Schedule 1 can be done one of two ways. It can be done by an executive order. That is the president himself can sign an executive order without going to Congress, and the other way is, of course, getting Congress to pass a law, which is much more difficult. But it's it's another the other way that the uh, the law can be changed. Mhm. For sure. For sure. Um. So yeah, now we're just waiting for Craig Cecil to call in, who is being held in prison for the rest of his life. He served 13 years of his sentence. He's going to basically be there forever if we don't change the Schedule One drug or be able to find a way in this case to get him relieved by that. But if we can't change that, um, Craig could sit in prison forever. Um, it's because our, our plant is scheduled as a Schedule One drug, which is why he got so much more time than somebody who would buy or sell methamphetamines or cocaine. Uh, the only correction I make. Christian, he's not going to spend the rest of his life in prison. He is sentenced to do so. He's they say he so. is, but, but but he, we believe as part of now, as as friends of Craig, we believe he will not. 
and his case is so absurd. I'm talking about the actual facts behind his case is so absurd that uh, the the idea we have and the, the the idea that's prevalent is that the injustice will be corrected. So, uh, and and Bao works with people like him. Uh, our our group worked to get prisoners out of prison that are in the situation that Craig is. Well, we've got uh, Mindy on, and she's she's going to talk to us, Eugene. There's uh, we have a defendant in Oregon. Her name is Joy Graves, and Joy Graves is the leader of an Indian uh, spiritual or Native American spiritual church, I believe. It's a church. So um, she was facing charges at one point, and we actually had uh, Miggy, who had found a picture of the prosecutor. Um, in front of a marijuana sign actually looking like he was maybe possibly smoking marijuana. And uh, Joy had made a T-shirt and wore it to her court date, and all of a sudden her charges were dropped. But Mindy's going to talk about uh, something about Joy because something else is going on with Joy now regarding the post office and her community. Good morning, Mindy. Good morning, Kristen. How are you? I'm good. Good you morning, Mindy. Good morning. Yeah, um, yeah. Well, let me just set this up a little bit. I want to. Re- you're right. Joy um, did have a case um, a little over a year ago, and that was um, the first case I had ever gone to court support for. That's where I met you, Kristen. Um, Joy um, has a little special place in my heart, as well as the fact that I am a member of her church. It's. Um, called the ONAC, or um, I have a really hard time saying it correctly, so I'm not even going to try. But um, I had uh, got word from Joy last week that Matt Pappas had um, helped on behalf of her and the church file a lawsuit against the United States Post Service for, um, so what happened was is Joy was uh, shipping medicine um, church medicine to another state um, and another branch of the church, and that medicine was seized by the post office. And so they have filed this lawsuit based on um, the Religious Freedom Act, Religious Land Use Act, and Institutionalized Persons Act. It's um, really exciting. So she. It's, it's exciting on many levels. I I don't know how many people out there know, but um, it's also illegal to send anything through the mail that has um, advertisements for cannabis. So, like, there's lots of magazines and, and other types of things, especially in states where um, the purchase of cannabis is legal, where that happens all the time. And so the issues with the post office and cannabis have been kind of in the news a lot lately. Well, um, Joy uh, staged a protest um, in front of the post office on Friday, and um, they smoked some um, cannabis in front of the post office around noon. <laughs> about yes, um, and and then she, you know, and she spoke to a lot of government leaders. The media was involved. It was it was quite um, it was quite a big deal. And then on her way home that evening, approximately between, she left Portland about 10.30 and somewhere around 11.30 midnight, 
she was pulled over by a state police officer charged with reckless driving DUI and arrested. The DUI DUI was for marijuana. For marijuana. Um, I... um, Now, is what Matt Pappas is doing, is this... For our listeners, Matt Pappas is a a marijuana attorney, and he has been a regular guest on our show in the past, a good attorney, so I'm, I'm really happy to see Matt Pappas is on this. On this. Is this going through a federal court? Um, this information is all relatively new to me, so please forgive my inability to answer all the questions, but it looks like it's United States District Court, District of Oregon, Portland Division. So... Okay. Um, so she, was she taken to jail when she was arrested? Yes. She was arrested, taken to jail, and they would not release her. She was taken in around midnight, and they wouldn't release her till around 8 o'clock in the morning because of concerns that she might leave too high. <laughs> wow. I'm not laughing at her. I'm laughing at the government for having those silly concerns. Right. And so how is she um, now? How is um, I think that she's uh, stressed. Um, she's, um, I, I think that if I understand correctly, she was just released out of jail last night. Um, so this, like I said, this is all very breaking news. Um, and so I'm just, I'm, I, you know, I plan to be there for court support and uh, show support for um, her and the church. Um, I'm hoping to find out more about when the next rally is. There may be a press conference on Tuesday. So um, things are moving really rapidly with um, her case against the post office as well. As um, you know, She feels really strongly that this was a direct retaliation. Uh, she drives back and forth from places all the time, and she was at a protest in front of the post office and created a big stink and then, you know, gets arrested that night. So she's feeling targeted. I definitely feel her pain. I feel like she's being targeted as well. Um, do we, does she, did she give you any um, idea of when her next court date's going to be? I don't even think she knows, but no, she didn't. She was um, on her way to a train station. Oh, she she I I got the information on the fly, guys. It was, it was she's she's on the move as usual. Joy doesn't keep dust under her feet, that's for sure. <laughs> well, we, well, we love Joy and we love her sacrifices. Oh, that's rough. Yes, um, um, the, that's one thing I want to say about that is you know a, very a lot of person. people once that's they get well once a lot of people once they're you know they get arrested. It's not so easy to get out there and fight and yell and scream and and make noise, you know. A lot of people become very fearful that the government will come get them again. And you know, Joy did, did, has never done that. I I she's faced um the government repeatedly over the years and still continues to yell and fight and scream and do it loudly and um so yeah, I'm definitely going to be there to support her. You know, uh, Mindy, that's the way things change, by by brave people taking stances and not worrying so much about themselves but worrying more about the cause. That's how things change. That's how yeah. our country was formed. That's how the world changes. It 
takes it just Absolutely. takes one brave person to make a stance, and that I am looking, begins the change. I am looking at Joy's post that she posted one hour ago. She's got a picture of a man in a wheelchair holding a bullhorn and a sign, and there's a whole bunch of other people there holding signs. And one of the signs says, the post, post office steals from our church. Um, and it, she made a, her comment to the picture. It's a really beautiful picture of people just marching down the street with their signs. And it says, I am proud of our members out there getting the word out that we as the natives are no longer going to stand for this type of inf- infringement and danger caused by our lives by the story is being made, and these are the frontliners out here helping to make it. So um, that is, it gave me goosebumps reading that and seeing this. Those those, those um, church members believe in their medicine, and they believe that the government's post office should not take it from them. And I and I and I agree. Absolutely. I agree. Um, there's another I comment here. I think that our government has taken enough from. The people already. I, I think it's time to stop. It's, there's another comment here that says we have officially filed the injunction, restraining order, and civil suit on the U.S. government. The, that sounds that sounds federal. The uh, post office, the postal service, and the postal general. Thanks to our oh, wow, and thanks to our members, it is now officially known. So proud and honored to have such a brave and devoted members. So that's that's nice. Um. Yeah, Facebook is cool because it, it gives us the news right as it's happening here. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, you guys, um, Craig usually calls in at about 925, and it's 929 right now. So um, we haven't got him yet, um, so we'll stay tuned for him. You know, when we talk about Joy and what she's doing, and we talk on this program about people and uh, that have the stomach and the tenacity to, to step up for their own rights. Uh, I oh, think Craig, here's, here's Craig right now, you guys. Keep talking while Craig I... Craig is an example. It's such a good Hold example on. of that. Hold on. I'm getting him. Eugene, Craig has still been eating bologna sandwiches. Yes, we've 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 got an exceptional man in Craig Cecil. He calls in constantly on our show and takes the risk of calling in and getting. Uh, uh, good morning, Craig. Getting... How are you? Good, good. Illinois good morning, a little chilly Craig. today. We're about twenty degrees. Good morning, Gene. I oh, think boy. there's a mail in your mailbox from me. <laughs> okay, okay. I'm in California right now. Uh, I'll be back uh, in Miami on Wednesday, and I'm looking forward to opening it up and so we can get something going. Uh, oh, so, so it's January and you're not going to visit Chicago, huh? No. <laughs> <laughs> the windy city. I've been there. So I've been there a couple of times in the winter, and I know it's it's cold, cold in Chicago. <laughs> It's character. Let me, let me ask you a question for our listeners' sake, Greg. How do you dress in prison for the cold? Uh, not well enough. But uh, as you know, they give us uh, clothes that are made by the prison factory, by Unicor. And uh, the coat is, you can hardly call it a coat. It's really a spring jacket. 
And uh, for anything like gloves or really anything beyond that, you have to buy them yourself from the commissary. But the clothes, they're not very warm. <laughs> so it is kind of tough to be in the cold weather in the prison. And I'm looking out the window at the recreational yard right now, and there's there's hardly anybody on it, you know, even though it's sunny and 20 degrees. And virtually all the people I, I see over the rail down in the day room. So people are kind of stuck inside once it gets below about 30 degrees. So that that uh, changes the routine. Uh, Craig, what, tell, tell the audience a little bit about how important the rec yard is to prisoners. Oh, the rec yard is not only important to the prison, to the prisoner, it's, it, it's uh, of great importance to the entire prison. Because the first thing it does is it allows us to get out there and really to to get rid of some of our stress, to get rid of our anxieties. For instance, I'm a jogger. I try to jog about three three miles a day. And, I mean, that gives me a little endorphin high. It gives me a chance to, you know, get rid of my anxieties and gives us a, a feel of, a feel of freedom really is compared to our little tiny selves. It, it gives us a chance to go outside, to move around, and to have even that little bit of independence. Uh, a rec yard is typically, oh, here it's probably about an acre. So, you know, it allows us to move around that, that much. So the rec yard is extremely important to the individual inmate, in, you know, as stress relief or anxiety relief. But it's also important to the to the cell blocks and all that is there's 126 of us crammed together in a a very small area here and the longer you keep people crammed up in a you know in so tightly in an area like that the more likely people are to you know have different conflicts that turn into fights and sometimes they turn into big gang fights and ugly fights so the rec yard alleviates that is you know people get to spread out they get to you know that they, they we get to have that little bit of space on that one acre plot. <laughs> wow. Well, do you have uh, uh, machines there? Do you have weights? Do you have ways of exercising, Craig? Uh yes. Here, there's still some weights left. As you know, uh, beginning in uh, what was it, 1996. The BOP is not allowed to spend any money maintaining or buying new weights. So the weights have become a jewel of the older prisons because, of course, the newer prisons aren't allowed to buy them. Right. And they're they're old. <laughs> they're old, so we got to be, you know, real careful with them not to break them and things of that nature. But here there is some free weights. Uh, there's a baseball diamond. There's um, a mostly dirt uh, jogging track. There's... Uh, basketball court that you know there's there's a bunch of different at, athletic stuff that is on the recreation yard. So, Craig, today's topic um, is Schedule One drugs. Um, yes, as you know, the top of my indictment says that I did <laughs> conspire or confederate to possess marijuana, a Schedule One narcotic. <laughs> And if you look up, and I spent yesterday looking through the law books and all that on that. And as you know, the number one factor that makes it a Schedule One is that there's absolutely no medicinal purpose for it. For instance, methamphetamine is a Schedule Two because they figure there is some use for that, along with a lot of 
prescription drugs. Cocaine is scheduled too. But by the federal government's own definition, marijuana is worse than cocaine. And I would have to say cocaine has destroyed a whole lot more lives than marijuana. Yeah. Marijuana is safer than cocaine, that's for sure. <laughs> uh, well, have you got my emails? I, I know you've gotten my emails about the trial. What do you yes, think about, about them still sending people to prison for a plant? I'm angry. Um, I presume that... This call is from a federal prison. I wasn't able to ask you, but I, I'm presuming the judge did not allow him to give a jury nullification instruction. There was one instruction. Okay, so there's 36 instructions, and one of them, one of them said that if you cannot vote unanimously, I mean, about 10 of them said you must vote unanimously. You must vote unanimously. I mean, they used the word unanimously about 20 different times that morning, from the judge to the prosecutor. And um, the judge, there was one, there was one saying that if you could not come up with a unanimous vote because of your conscience. And that would basically be okay. And they did do that on one. They acquitted him on, I believe it was a conspiracy charge, uh, longer money. But well, other than what, that, I, what I would like to see in that case, and actually in all marijuana cases, is what they call a jury nullification instruction. Right. What that essentially is, is the reason that a person... A criminal defendant is allowed to have his case decided by a jury of his peers is exactly for that reason that it's up to those peers, it's up to those people to decide if he should be found not guilty. And unfortunately, the federal law and the federal jury instructions say if you think he's violated this law, you must find him guilty. Whereas in reality, in many states require what's called a jury nullification instruction that says even if you believe he did commit the crime, it is within the jury's prerogative to determine that you do not think he should be convicted. And I think if if that judge had given to that jury an instruction, you know, amongst people of of Washington State that have voted in state elections to legalize marijuana, I think they would have voted in the jury room to say that we don't want people convicted of selling medical marijuana. And I think that that would have made a a demonstrable difference in the trial. And I I hope it's one of his issues on appeal, because it sounds like he has some really, really, you know, uh, blatant uh, appeal issues that hopefully will result in him getting his conviction overturned. Yeah, he did say that he is planning on going to appeal soon. Um, he's hoping, though, that because he got found not guilty and he was acquitted of the gun in the money laundering charge, that he can get his ankle bracelet taken off. He's been wearing an ankle bracelet for about two years now. And so since he said that he's not he's not facing um, he's not facing life anymore, in fact, he may not get any jail time at all due to the fact that um, they, they got him for 73 plants, which is under 100, which means that he, if the judge wants to, there's no mandatory minimum, so he, if the judge wants to give him zero jail time, he can't. Right, right. In fact, I, mean, I thought it was kind of, um, I heard, I wasn't there on the day that they, the jury gave the verdict, but from what I understand, the, ju- the, the judge actually told the prosecutor to grow up. 
<laughs> I like the sounds of that. <laughs> and, and unfortunately, that that uh, Gene will vouch for this is um, the vast majority of uh, federal judges have a background as a federal prosecutor. Oh, and they never seem to take off that hat. <laughs> it sounds like you have a judge that probably was not a prosecutor, or for some reason he doesn't like all prosecutors. Which well, he had a is... He actually had, I think, I believe he had some history with Lance in the past, actually, and um, I believe that he has a, a thing against him, um, a personal vendetta against him, which is what it's been known. I've, I've um in some of those articles I sent you, it mentioned a little bit about the fact that he just doesn't like Lance anyway. Right, right. And it sounds like he has a prior conviction from years ago that, not a very serious one, but nevertheless a prior conviction. Right, right. No, I don't believe he was actually ever convicted. Um, oh, I think, okay. Yeah, the, the history between him and it is, is goes beyond the court system. I don't know, I, I don't know if they were, went to high school together or what, but there's there is more than the court system. I just don't oh. know what it is. I just don't remember what it is. <laughs> okay, so it might actually be a personal issue. Like, yes. yes. Like a woman, you know how those... <laughs> <laughs> Probably not. <laughs> this could turn into a, a made-for-TV movie. <laughs> it's for sure, for sure. But why is marijuana still Schedule 1? My, the only concern that I really have about that is uh, I'm one of the people I don't want to see it become a Schedule 2. Yeah. And, uh, th- the reason I say that is for those of us sentenced under a, mar- under a marijuana crime, it doesn't make any difference. Because the drug laws say if you're guilty of you know possessing a Schedule 1, Schedule 2, I think it's all the way up to Schedule 4, um, you know, narcotic or drug. So really it doesn't make any difference to us. And what, it, what it'll do is it'll let a bunch of people, you know, uh, kind of relax in the struggle. I think it needs to go straight from the horrible place that it, it's at right now and it's been since actually, I believe, 1937. It needs to be legal like many of the states like Washington is doing and like really the will of the American people want to see. So I think the the idea of making small steps I think is a mistake. I think it needs to go straight to, you know, this is you know this is no longer a federally reg, you know a federally uh, prohibited substance. It's now legal as far as federal laws. If states want to make laws uh, criminalizing it, that that I believe should be up to the individual states. You know, as gambling is in is in Las Vegas and it's not in many other states, but. That should be a state's rights issue. That should be a decision of a state of whether, you know, it's permitted in that state or not. Right. Well, our state here in Washington, we said we want it legal. We don't. We don't. We want. We want to be able to do this. And what they got Lance on is um, they said they're saying that Lance was making too much money, and the government, the federal government, didn't like it. However, yet still, the federal government has yet to prove that Lance even broke any state laws at all. In fact, his conviction was for 73 plants, um, and that that is not in violation. Even his conviction is not a violation of state law. Well, another question I have about that is in the uh, budget, and I forgot the name of it, but uh, in the budget there's an amendment that says that the 
the federal government, the DEA, or the Justice Department cannot spend money. This call is from a federal prison. To prosecute people who are operating, you know, within the, the state law regarding marijuana. Well, that sounds like he's definitely one of those cases. Yeah, well, the thing is, is they, they passed Section 538. In fact, um, Lance tried to get his charges dropped because of that, and he tried to get his tra- charges dropped for four other reasons, entrapment, um, all sorts of stuff, and they refused to drop it. Um, they said that he wasn't following state law, which um, even the even one of the one of the um, witnesses for the federal government, one of the undercovers, said that he was. In fact, there was a video that was take that was played the very first day, showing them denying the undercover agent access to inside the building because he did not have his medical card, and they sent him away. Like they. All they did in the in the trial is prove that he followed the state laws. So, you know, the fact that they wouldn't allow Section 538 in there that would have saved him, well, that bothers me a lot, a lot, because Congress said they don't want to use federal funds in going after mar- medical marijuana anymore. And that's exactly what they did, regardless of what they passed in Congress last year. It, yes. They still disrespected Congress and did it anyway. Right. I mean, the Congress makes the law, and it's up to those agents attorneys to follow that law yep. well that's the second beep so um i i've just uh you know once once again want to thank everybody for shining a light and remembering that we're here and even a shout out to uh mindy who i understand this week was finding new places to put up the free craig cecil and other sites yeah yep. makes... <laughs> mindy's on bringing some calls right now so she can't hear what you're saying so i'll, I'll let her know thank you Oh, wow, listeners, that was Craig Cecil serving his third year of his life sentence for the plant, the Schedule One drug plant that should not be a Schedule One drug. That means that Craig should not be in prison if it wasn't. So um, ugh. it's tough. That's really tough. Um, but it looks like we got George on the line. And George is talking to Mindy right now. So as soon as they're done uh, screening the call, then we'll get to George. Um, what do you think, Eugene, about, like, Craig calling in from prison yep. because it's a Schedule One drug? Like, if it wasn't, he wouldn't be calling us from prison. Yeah, I think Craig makes a good point, too, though. He says, let's let's deschedule it entirely. And he's probably really right. Uh, not yeah. just make it from Schedule One to Schedule Two. Let's just deschedule it completely. And yeah, that's probably what what should be done. But and that would put uh, the Fed completely out of it. They wouldn't have nothing yeah, to do with it no more. Yeah, yeah, and he's absolutely on on target. But you know, when you mentioned Craig, I have so much admiration for the guy because having being an ex prisoner, I know it takes guts and determination to come on every week like he does. He could he could be called to the captain's office and reprimanded for talking about. Uh, his incarceration and and so on. Uh, as a prisoner, you're subject to those kind of things and uh, and the disciplinary action taken against him. But he he comes on regularly and he's he expresses himself freely. And I got a feeling that they admire him there in that prison for what he is and speaking yeah. his speaking his uh, uh, truth that he does. You know. Right. Uh, we're going to well, bring George got, on. Yep, we've got George on for his weekly second segment. It's called Georgie's Corner. Good morning, George. Oh, hi. 
Hi. Good morning, George. Hi, Christine and Jean. How are you? We're good. Good. How are you? Bring bring us bring us some poetry and literature, George. Well, uh, you know, listening to Craig and uh, I just want to <clears throat> relay. I hear the you know the rhetoric and behind him in the cell block, and uh, you know he's leading such a a hard life for a nice man. It just uh, it just gets gets me gets me down to my core. Anyway, uh, as uh, my my corner, George's corner, is my corner, right? Yes. It's, it's your, your corner, time. yes. Okay. I wrote a poem, and uh, oh. I don't title them because I, I try to write them, uh, you know, right before the show to make it so original and so emotional. And here it goes. Long before bright material and string song, a plant grew to help along. It grew for those who fell. It grew to lessen hell. Now it grows afraid and burned, the fall of stem to stem. Oh, friend, gone, tis the remembered when. So here we are, soldiers anew, fighting, fighting for the plant that grew. That's it. Very nice, George. I love it. Yeah. I love it. Yes. Now, uh, last night, I'd like to share a little something. <clears throat> I went to uh, the Women's Grow, <clears throat> the Tampa St. Pete organization here, and it uh, was very, uh, uh, a very wide array of people and from all walks of life. And and uh, as lawyers, etc., as I intermingled, uh, I realized that I was the only uh, criminal, once criminal there. And uh, I found a, a, a lonely spot, and I backed to the wall, and I thought, and I said, look at this. Look at how it has evolved, uh, the marijuana industry and the good people that are trying to make a difference. And I was amazed. I've been to, uh, I've been to several since I uh, was out, but... You know, when you go there, you know, I'm just, I'm like a kid. You know, I run to, to get the food. and and uh, But last <laughs> night I paid a little more attention, and the, and they spoke, and it was uh, such touching, touching stories about these children, these children who need this marijuana uh, to have some kind of life. And it was amazing. And, uh, you know, I hung on every word, and I met I met a lot of people, and basically – and then after that, I actually, uh, I felt so, uh, I don't know the right word, uh, but I stopped saying who I was. Uh, some people knew me there, but I stopped saying who I was. And I just listened. <clears throat> I listened to these mothers who have these children that are desperately ill. And, uh, and I'm saying, well, what? okay, uh, I, did, uh, I did my thing, and I was put in prison. Yeah, I was put in prison. Uh, for way too long, but now you, you know we're punishing children. I mean, what, what as a society? Why, why, why can't you give it's 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 uh, uh, this plant to help these children? I just I can't fathom it. And some of the mothers, when uh, I would talk to them, and uh, at least two, you know, they they their eyes start getting watery, and they they 
And they have told the story about their children, I mean, I mean numerous times. But for a mother to meet a, basically a stranger and tell it again, that means in her mind she went back to that very day of that child suffering that day. And this child can't get the needs that he needs through the marijuana medical use. And uh, it, really, it really affected me. And uh, I don't know. I don't know. All I, all I believe I can do is, uh, like <clears throat> you guys at the radio show, keep talking. That, you know, uh, those in, in the power and go- government are human beings. Those who are suffering, children are human beings. These guys are languishing in prison are human beings. So, you know, Gene uh, uh, could attest to that, uh, Christine, you know, we, we, were, we were in the worst prisons. We were in the worst prisons the federal government had to offer. And it, would, it, was, it could have been easy for me and Gene to hate and become vicious and, uh, and uh, be that type of human being. But we chose not to. We chose to be educators. We chose to be mentors. So there is a choice. So what I'm trying to say out there for them powers that be, there is a choice. And we're all, we just want the choice to look at us as human beings. Gene? Yeah, George, I think you make a very good point. Uh, uh, you can be positive as a prisoner and if you choose to be so. And uh, there are many people, uh, you and I were know each other and know what we did, there are many people we were doing time with who are who are in that type of category. Unfortunately, then there's also people who the frustrations and and hatreds and so on take take charge of them in prison, and they end up uh, in violent uh, encounters and so on. But um, uh, you're right. absolutely right, George, when you say what you said about about the children. And uh, the, uh, the 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 children who have seizures, for example, mothers are getting using marijuana as medicine, and it's helping them. Uh, it's it's a, it's a difficult to conceive of why that that is the case, George. Well, like I said, I, I uh, after a while I, I stood in the background. Uh, they, I, there was over overtures for, for me to speak, but. I uh, I didn't. I, I wanted to share a story. Incidentally, I like to. Many years ago, in uh, in a medical federal medical facility, uh, I had a barber, and he was a real nice guy. And uh, from his knees, uh, both legs, from his knees down, he had these horrible abscesses. I mean, large as a silver dollar, uh, uh, an inch deep. And they were. What happened with this guy? He was a young guy, and he was, uh, I believe, in uh, FCI El Reno. So he has a a few glasses of uh, prison wine, and he goes in the summertime, and he falls asleep in the wrong spot in the yard. Well, he got bit up by spiders, his legs, and he, uh, if he could uh, uh, ingest antibiotics, he would have been fine. But he's allergic, so for years they're giving him steroids, basically to counteract. And the guy would uh, cut my hair, and he says, I'm not going to live long. And he said, the only thing that helps me is weed. And, you know, he had to go through that clandestine gray area trying to get weed. And uh, he was such a nice guy that a lot of uh, <clears throat> other inmates helped. You know, they risked, they risked doing, you know, enhancing their time because this guy was in such pain. And he said, the only thing that gave him relief 
if he smoked the joint, uh, he could he could uh, sustain it. And you know, being a barber, it's the only way he could afford to uh, to take care of himself. You have to stand. So, uh, you know, I, I would I would say, listen, give me the quickest haircut you can, you know, because I knew the guy was in pain. So even back then, before medical marijuana even came to light, it helped this poor guy get through his day until he died in federal prison. Christine? Nobody deserves to die in federal prison for a plant, ever. You know, that man could have... He could have been. He could have been maybe been cured. You know, he could have had a lot better of a life if he had the use of cannabis. I mean, and, and okay, you guys, I just have this this thing in my head. What if they allow prisoners to have cannabis? I mean, can you imagine how the peace would be behind 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 bars? Well, uh, I brought that up <laughs> with staff. You know, when Colorado uh, was passed legal, and I I talked to staff and I says, well, what's the situation with uh, now, uh, they have a very big federal complex out there. Uh, what's the name of it, Gene? Out to Florence. Florence, uh, Colorado. That's Florence, where ADX, Colorado. That's correct. That's yes. where ADX is at. That's where they bury you. It was a form yeah, of the, the maximum, hiring, per, like maximum I did that security kind of prison. Yes. Yeah, they bury yes. you there. Anyway, I asked the staff, I said, now, if you go there, uh, can you get involved uh, with the legal culture of weed? He said, no, even as federal... Because we're federal employees, we will get uh, we we're subject to your analysis test, and if it's in our system, we're fired. So you know the stringency is still there. They're still there, and it's like a, it's getting where it's crazy. It's like a witch hunt. It so, is. So if it you're is. a prison it's guard and you move there, and your wife likes to smoke, she can. And if your children are adults and they like to smoke, they can. But you can't because you lose your livelihood. Gene? George, uh, I have a question for you. Uh, I understand in your own personal story you're about to move uh, back to Philadelphia. Can you tell us what's happening? Well, uh, you know, I love uh, I love uh, Florida. I have family here. I made some great inroads with new friends, etc. And but my mom, uh, is, she's 87, and she's not feeling well. And I have a phrase for that: be it not for the son to care for the mother. So uh, I have to go up there and uh, be a son to the mother because she needs me. And uh, and uh, and I, the, I <clears throat> it's already. I already have, I mean, not not one red carpet. There's got to be half a dozen red carpets up there waiting. Business community, reentry community with uh, with judges in the prosecutor's office, uh, colleges. Uh, I mean, uh, so much going on uh, up there. And I knew that would probably be the, 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 the case if I was uh, uh, three months ago released there. But I wanted to make a slow uh, transition back to a life that uh, basically I've forgotten. So I came down to this tranquil situation. Uh, but, you know, uh, life, uh, the world turns, and there's an unseen hook. And as it turns, that hook gets thrown, and it attaches onto you, and you just move with the earth. So that's what's happening, Gene. So, George, uh, uh, the story is simple. 
it's a story of of love of a right. son and mother's love, and I, it it tears at my heart for the hair you talk about it because I lost my yes, mother. Yes, I remember I when uh, you know I was with you when you lost your mom, and it's a terrible thing uh, to lose a loved one when you're in prison because I remember when you were sad and you wept, <laughs> and the only thing you can do is get locked in that cell at night. The only thing you can do. So thank God that that's not happening to me like it happened to you and and thousands of others, thousands of. Others. I had that situation with <clears throat> when I lost my son, 25 years old, a very handsome boy, uh, motorcycle accident. Yeah, I, I couldn't, I couldn't go. They wouldn't let me go to the service. The only uh, uh, I had to go to the cell. That was it, alone in the cell, and uh, and deal with the sorrow. Gene? Yeah, I, I I can feel that. Uh, having been there, George, I can feel that the loneliness of a cold cement cell when you have a personal tragedy in your family and you can't help in, or be there for them. And uh, it's a strange thing, Christine. Uh, you know, the, you know, the penitentiaries they got concrete floors. And uh, in the FCIs, they have tile floors. So with a bit of a water, uh, you know, drops on there, sometimes you have to stand back from it to actually see the liquid. But in them concrete cells, when them tears come off your face and hit that floor, you can see it clearly. You can see it clearly. And uh, I've seen men just sit there and actually form, you know, little puddles by their feet. And uh, it's the most uh, profound thing that stays with you you're mentally. Gene. Well, but yes. George, my father, he had a dementia, and so he he was losing his mind. He had dementia. He got it a few months before he even was incarcerated. Well, he used to rock back and forth. Oh my God! On his, in his, in yeah. his bed, and he'd rock back and forth. And he also he had um, osteoporosis, and he had lost over forty percent of his bones. So his bones were so fragile. Well, he'd rock back and forth and fall asleep and fall right into those cement floors. The first oh time God. he did it, the first yes, time he did they, it, uh, he broke, they just, uh, he broke, the first time I he did it, George, he broke five ribs. The second time oh he did God. it, he broke his collarbone and his clavicle bone due to those cement floors. Yes, yes. It's just, uh, I just, uh, I, I like I said, as a, a society and a country in a whole, I just don't, I just don't understand it. I would love to, uh, you know, every time a politician or a judge, you know, visits a prison, and there's always something good that comes from that. So that's another thing I would like to address to the politicians that be, you know, come with me on field trips, you know, just don't walk in there, you know, spend a couple hours, see the situation. And uh, and every time that happens, there's so, always some good, but it's it's rare. It's very rare that we we get them in there. So I'm going to try to make a difference with that up in Philly, get them to do more field trips into the into the prisons, so they could see to see the just the languishing and you know when them you put a man in a gray atmosphere when the man's skin starts turning gray <laughs> after decades, something's wrong. God damn it, something's wrong. Yes. Um, 
That's George Monterano with his uh, uh, stories of incarceration and stories of the human human soul and how it's uh, resilient even in the worst moments of uh, being uh, incarcerated. Uh, George is an example of that. He kept himself alive and kept his spirit alive by helping others while he was doing his time. And uh, I tell you from personal experience with the man, he was always positive through all those years. He was always positive. So uh, my hat comes off to you, George. Oh, like you, you uh, people like Christine and you, and all them, uh, my my new friends in California. Can't wait to come out there and spend some quality time with you all. And uh, hopefully, I'll be off the paper and I could smoke a joint. But right now, I can't. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, you know, I, and it's not fair, Christine. It's not fair. I did 26 years for weed, and I can't touch it. Not fair. It's not fair. It's not fair. How long are you going to be on probation for? Well, they gave me three, but I'm going to try to get off in a year, maybe, because of all the you know positive stuff I'm doing and speaking and stuff like that. I'll request in a year and let's see what happens. And um, right. you know, like again, uh, I think you know, there's a, there's a thing I want to get out there for all the guys in jail and all the guys on paper and all the guys are trying to make change and the women also. You know, it's a it's a bureaucracy that you're dealing with. It's a large machine, and you cannot hate the individuals. You cannot hate the judges or the prosecutors or the agents because it's all a bureaucracy, okay? And the one thing that the, this this big bureaucracy doesn't like is some some statement coming back, some win coming back to set president. They just don't like it, and you have to understand that. So once you learn patience. And then the intelligence follows, and that's the course. And hopefully I'll try to make a lot of sense of it in the Northeast, because that's where the powers that be up in the Northeast. So that's where I'm headed. But like I said, I promise I will get out west uh, someday. And, Christine, you're in. You're not out west. You're in where? I'm up in uh, Washington, where we call it legal. We just... We just it's, oh, it's, I, it's, thought, it's I thought you were in Ohio. You're up in, yeah, you're up in Seattle. Yeah. Yeah, and the oh, thing no, is, Pugent, Pugent Sound. Okay. Yes, yes, and the thing is, George, is that um, it's legal in Washington. The state laws say it's legal, and we just had a man facing 35 years to life in a federal trial, and he was only convicted of half of his charges. So now his mandatory minimum has been taken away, and he may possibly not go to jail. So um, we're trying to end prohibition up here, and. I I am good. I'm good. I want to be all part of it. <laughs> so I want to be good. in the front well, line. Listen, I follow you. You're so. doing great work. You know, you're doing great Thank work, you. and and uh, you. you know, just we need we need more. We need more. Like I said, you have learned. Uh, one yep. thing you have you learned through your tragedy with your dad that it's a bureaucracy, and the only way to counteract that big machine is patience and intelligence. Yep, that I'm doing my best. <laughs> right. Gene? I'm doing my best. Okay, George. Uh, uh, so thank you again for coming and participating every week in the show. Uh, people look forward to hearing you, and uh, uh, I, I, I second that. We hope to see you out here 
that's one of the great things of my 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 own freedom. I'm able to travel on an airplane. Uh, yeah, George, well, the first time I travel on an airplane without being having a black box uh, handcuff on my my hands. And well, like I, like I said, to let's hope let's hope we're out there together and um, uh, sooner than later. All right, for thanks sure. for okay. having me. Thanks for having me. Thank I'll see you. you guys next week. Thank, Thank you. you so much. That's oh, George Maturano. It's our privilege to have him on weekly on our show. Uh, uh, one of my good friends and a great, great, great man. Thank you, George. Thank you, George. George is, is okay. your friend and a great man. What, are we, have, what are we have next coming on? Are you going to uh, well, give us a little more information? Yes, we're going to talk about the trial. Hold on, let me get Miggy on here. <laughs> what, you guys, what a trial. Good morning, Miggy. Hey, good morning. Uh, Lance's trial. Let's let's talk about it from the beginning. Let's talk about, you know, how this started unfolding and what's, what's been happening. We haven't had a good chance to talk about it on the show, so we want to bring some attention to Lance's case. Whew. Yeah, it, 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 I'd like to point out, too, that, you know, thank cannabis that you exist because he should have had a bigger support and it could have been worse, but it went pretty well considering, you know? Yes, it did. It did. And, uh, but, you know, like I, I was hoping like 3,000, 5,000 people would be uh, in the downtown, downtown um, Tacoma flooding the court system, letting everybody know that this was absolutely wrong. But in my head, the line should have been, yeah, totally. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I mean, like in my head, there should have been lines filling that courthouse. It's just like people are filling up for the recreational shops here. There are lines to recreational shops. You know, why oh, can't okay. there be lines to support people? Right, right. Well, let's talk about, okay, so let's talk about a few things. Number one, um, you know, he was, okay, so this went this went kind of big because prosecutor Vince Lombardi was trying to say yeah. that, you know, he was basically making too much money. And the yep. thing is, is that he never broke any laws, and he was a company. He was an LLC. He was a licensed company that could make money. I mean, it wasn't illegal what he was doing. So, you know, you, while yeah, he said yeah. that the, you know the recreational stores had customers, you know, coming out the door, they're making money, yeah. and he just got in trouble for the same thing that they're doing now. Yeah, he got in trouble for being successful. Basically, yeah. <laughs> and okay, so. <laughs> So for five days, and that's what comes down to. Off, the trial started off. I mean, I mean, immediately they they had witnesses on the stand. The first day, the second day, the third. There was witnesses every single day, and the witnesses, in fact, they had more. His the witnesses in Lance's case were childhood friends, ex girlfriends, owner, uh, his other co defendants, business owners, and employees. Yeah. And. You know, to watch, okay, so Lance had nothing but family and friends and, and activists in the courtroom. So um, these snitches were family friends as well. So it, to see the snitches up there taking their stand in order to get less jail time, it hurt the whole family, you know, not just Lance, to see yeah. his whole life in front of him turn against him. I mean, these people are, were his life, and they just turned against him. And his whole and, family... You know, I- yeah, and that's it's sad too, though, because I mean, even though they were turned against him, some, even Lance was not blaming him. Just like listening to George Martano when he when he doesn't blame the prosecutor, Lance was even saying he's like, 
I get it. They're trying to save their asses. Like, everybody knew that they were trying to save their asses. Well, imagine if they weren't trying to save their asses. And they were right? all trying to save each other's asses together. They wouldn't have a trial going on because they wouldn't have any witnesses. They would be forced to drop all the charges on everybody because if everybody took it to trial, yes. they couldn't handle that. The government couldn't handle a trial without snitching. Well, and, and personally, I, I, you know, George Martone is a bigger person than I am because I blame the prosecution because you have prosecution discretion, discretionary prosecution. The guy could have just said, you know what, I don't have a case because everything was investigated by the state. So let's talk about the prosecutor just a little bit. Um, I don't know much about the situation between Lance and the prosecutor, but you know more about it than I do. Well, I, from what I know, all it really is uh, the prosecutor, the, the main guy, Vince Lombardi, who is the grandson of Vince Lombardi, the Green Bay Packers fame. Uh, he he has a history with Lance when it comes to being on the council uh, for previous okay. uh, things that, that Lance had been involved with. But none of it was marijuana before, anyways. But it seemed kind of personal, like a vendetta. Right. And uh, uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, I just I just don't get it. Like it's. You know, looking at the evidence, you know, any reasonable person not clouded by biasness, whether against it's Lance or marijuana, would have just said, I really don't have a case against state investigations proving that it was being conducted like every other person in the state that we they investigated. Let's, let's talk about the last day of the actual trial before the jury deliberated. Um, the closing yeah. the closing argument um, I found to be very very discouraging because first of all um, the prosecutor had their closing arguments first and they painted a picture about Lance that was ugly 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 saying that you know he used a gun to um, control and to protect his marijuana and that he did they just made him sound <laughs> yeah. like a big huge nasty dirty kingpin like it was terrible. Yeah. <laughs> and then, and then the, it was um, horrible. Right. Okay. Well, then, then Lance's prosecutor or Lance's Lance's um, Lance's uh, attorney had a chance to talk, and she did a good job. She totally went back and undid everything the prosecution did, and you know, even because they were trying to say he was living a high roller, and he even used that those words, a high roller lifestyle. Okay, well, he was yep. staying at what, the Ramada Inn or the Days Inn or something like that when they caught him. And she said, well, how is a high roller going to stay at the whatever, wherever a little hotel he was staying at? But she totally, totally not only- knocked out everything everything that he said. Yeah. And then the prosecution, that's what kind of got me, is that she did a, she left a really good, I think she would have left something really good in the jurors' heads, but then the prosecution went and totally knocked out everything she said. So the prosecution got to go first and last. So I didn't like yep. that at all. And then the, the last the prosecution was given their their last little argument. They mentioned that there was a, the dog treats. The, the Ben Silvardi said that there was dog treats at at the dispensary was found. He said, "Now, where did the dog get the medical card?" Like yeah. I don't understand. Yeah. You know, like they brought up things that had nothing to do with the case the whole time. But then their last closing arguments, they just brought up all kinds of silly stuff. Well, the whole yeah, that, that was the whole that was hysterical because the whole their whole prosecution premise was this guy is a bad guy that 
You know, why did he go on the run if, uh, you know, they ask stupid questions, you know. If he's not guilty, why did he go on the run? Well, because nobody wants to go to fucking jail. And he wasn't guilty of doing anything bad. He was guilty of doing what the state's program was doing, allowed. You know, he was guilty of functioning within what he was given. But instead, because people have personal issues and decide that this guy is a bad guy for being involved with pot, that I we have a we have a way to put him in jail. You know, it's totally jaded, totally slanted. Uh, there was no reason for us being there. Like he should not have been there. As soon as those agents tried to get access to his dispensaries and were denied access because they didn't have the proper medica- medical cards, so that's the whole process they were following. They should have stopped and said, okay, he's doing business like all the other shops here in Washington. Right, and, and they had an attorney's um, guidance on this. The attorney, you know, yeah. said that we, in order to work legally, we have to take these as donations. They have to go they back. They tried their best to be. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They tried to say that they weren't donations, and they were. You know, part of that money goes back into making the business happen. It goes back into everything. It's just not... It wasn't acceptable to me the way the prosecution turned our laws into basically a joke in the federal courtroom. I didn't like exactly. that. Um, now, no, he, he, that's so, what they did. <laughs> right, right. So here comes now. One thing before we talk about the, the the jury and the deliberation, I want to talk about that. But I want to talk about something that I found really honorable in our community. Um, and that's the Debbie Breschler, Josh Mock, and Rhonda Firestack mm-hmm. Harvey, who are all federal defendants right now. Josh Mark and Debbie Breschler are facing time right now for their participation in getting our our patients their medicine. And they're going to be sentenced in a couple weeks. And Rhonda Firestack Harvey and her whole family, known as the Kettle Falls family, went to trial also and had a similar verdict to Lance. And we're going to talk about the verdict in the jury in a second. But didn't you find it... Um, heartwarming that these other federal defendants showed up to support each other in this trial. I just it touched my heart I, that they all well, want... I thought it was amazing and brave, too, because Josh and Debbie are facing the same prosecutor. Oh, wow. I didn't know that. Yeah, Vince Labarre is the one that's... Pro- because Josh and Debbie... So, let's, let's, you know, let's also add that Josh and Debbie are guilty of manufacturing what's available in a recreational store out here right now. I can go to a recreational store and buy the product that they were making. You know, that's what they're guilty of. And and they had their own personal snitch. But the problem is Vince Labarre is still choosing to prosecute them for conducting state, you know, on it, this is the Wild West out here right now. Yeah. Yeah, well, and, I uh, Yeah, was... they, they were... I'm oh, sorry, go ahead. Go ahead, no, go ahead. I thought you were done. I was just saying, you're right, though. It was amazing and, and, and powerful to see Kettle Falls 5, and 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 and, and wash, other Washington state victims from prosecutorial justice right now. Yeah, and what was what was? I, 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 yeah, that touched my heart. Now, when it comes down to the trial, okay, the trial was like this: they sent the jurors off um, to make their verdict. They didn't get the verdict the first day. The second day, <laughs> they the second day of of their deliberation. Now, oh, we haven't talked about the medical marijuana laws that they allowed in the state courtroom either. The Washington yeah, State well, laws that were presented in the courtroom, know, which was first time in history. Yeah. Oh, yeah. The words medical marijuana. Right. Then from now the on, whole, somebody can say, hey, uh, I want to to justify my grow as a medical reason, 
and now they can reference this Lance Gore versus the United States and say, look, the, these guys were raided for a medical shop. So it proves it's medical. Right. Okay, so that ties into the theme of today's show, the Schedule 1 drug. It says it's a Schedule 1 drug because there's no medicinal value, but yet they're allowing them to present um, the medicinal part of it in a federal courtroom. So to me, that contradicts their whole Schedule 1 drug law in the first place, right? Like, this should be grounds to destroy, to deschedule, to turn it, to take it out of the Schedule 1 scheduling. Don't, wouldn't you think the fact that they're allowing medical talk in a federal courtroom contradicts everything that they've been saying this whole entire time? Well, I think it adds to the case. And I always thought the fact that there were eight federal medical marijuana patients was going to be that, but because they're not in the legal system, they're just patients that are being supplied pot from the federal government, that doesn't create a precedent. But this case does. This case will set a precedent. Anybody else, I mean, it's, we have brilliant people that have been involved in marijuana for years, and, and bandits or whatever you want to call them, the outlaws. And, you know, they've taken their stance before and, and risked it. And now this just gives them more support. This this inadvertently helped pot. Thank you, Vince Lombardi. <laughs> thank you, and thank you, and thank you to uh, Lance Glore for standing up for this. Yes. So the jury came. The time to deliberate. Two second day into deliberation. Now this is another thing that proves that marijuana should be taken off the Schedule One drug. Is that one of the jurors, who was a medical at Washington State Medical Marijuana patient, could not have access to her uh, medicine this whole the, during the week of the trial because she was in basically in federal custody. Um, they had to have the jurors go stay in a hotel, and she was scared to take her medicine because it's a federal crime. Well, she had an anxiety attack due to not having her medicine. And during the middle of their deliberation, uh, ambulance had to come and rush her off to the hospital. So they took her out of the uh, out of the uh, out of the juries. Uh, they removed her as a juror and had to put one of the alternate jurors in. Within a few hours later, they convicted Lance. And these are his convictions. He was convicted of distribution of marijuana and manufacturing marijuana. The other two, his Monday morning charge, he was acquitted on. That means one well, that, that means one of the jurors said not guilty, and his firearm, in order to uh, further into a drug trafficking crime, they did not convict him on either, which is good because it had, didn't even have his fingerprints on it and it wasn't even in his name. They didn't find it on him or anything like that. Like that, that That's beautiful. However, that took away the mandatory minimum of 35 years to life. So they saved him from going to prison for our plant for the rest of their life um, because they found him not guilty on those things. So now um, in the Monday laundering charge, um, that's a charge because it's federally legal. Anytime you put um, money funded from a a drug, which they call it Schedule 1 drug, into a bank account, they call that illegal money, and that's money laundering as far as the federal government is concerned. State laws wouldn't consider it that way, but the federal laws do. Okay, so those two crimes are out, not guilty, okay? He was found guilty of distribution of marijuana and manufacturing of 73 plants. Manufacturing of the 73 plants, you know, that's actually a good thing for Lance. I mean, we'd like him to be not guilty on it all. This is why it feels like a win, because anything between 50 and 100 plants, there is, is, is we'll, we'll give the, the, the judge just a, a way to not have to send him to prison. So there's no mandatory minimum for that mm. charge. 
So Lance may not go to jail. In fact, and also he is also in the, they're also in the process of starting to the, starting the appeal. Um, now he was also um, he was also he doesn't know. Okay, but he doesn't know if he got um, for for the um, for the grows or for the kilograms. There's they said that he had ninety hundred ninety nine or a thousand. He's not sure which, but the thousand just the extra one gram that he got caught with of marijuana. He's he's got convicted of not having ninety nine. 999 grams or a thousand. He doesn't remember because things were so sketchy at the time, and you know it was it was trial, so he doesn't remember. He'll he'll find out on Tuesday. Yeah. But if it was a thousand, he's looking at I believe a mandatory minimum of ten years or five. But if it was 999, just one gram will give him um, the, the the judge discretion to not have to give him any jail time at all. So. As far as I'm concerned, Lance is not going to go to jail. I mean, he might, but we are going to help him with that. We're going to try to get a letter-writing campaign and try to help help him stay out of prison. So stay tuned. We're going to hear from Lance. He cannot come on the show quite yet, but we're going to hear from him soon. Now, another thing I want to let everybody know is that there is an article out there that Como Ford News started saying that he is facing uh, up to 40 years in prison for this. Now, they got their information from the prosecutor. The prosecutor was incorrect. So they are in the process of writing a different article. So if anybody out there sees that article, oh, no, don't panic. That is incorrect information. He is, and, and, you know, that information has made it to the Utah um, Tribune and a few other tribunes out there. So disregard that part of it. He is not facing 40 years. Um, so is there anything else you want to add to this, um, Lance? Yes. <laughs> yeah, let's not forget though. No, it's all good. Hey, let's not forget too. He's he's had an ankle bracelet on for two years. He's been yes. locked down for two years. Like he's already been serving it since. I thought in America we were proving innocent until proven guilty. So, you know, the fact that he's been locked down for two years, his his freedom, his his liberty, his his, his personal space has been invaded. Uh, you know, you know, I could stay in the house for two years, fine, but not even have a drink or a smoke. I mean, this is. You know, he's he, they've taken away his, his freedom of just being him to have fun. You know, he's being prosecuted as being a high roller. Well, you know, you've just cut the man off his legs for two years and and, and still haven't proven guilty yet as far as I'm concerned. But. Right. Whew. Well, he's going to be hopefully getting that ankle bracelet off soon. Um, they have awesome. told him that he cannot go on Facebook and say any negative comments. Um, and that's going to help his sentencing. And yeah. as far as the bracelet, I talked to Lance last night, and he said that the bracelet was on there because he was facing life. They said he could have he could have ran. He was he, the gun. They said that he could be dangerous. All all kinds of stuff. So now that those other charges are off there, he has a chance to get that bracelet removed. And they're going to be working on that this week. So okay. um, yeah. So the moral to this story is is that. You know, every juror has the right to say not guilty, regardless of the judge's instructions. You can use your conscience to vote. And if you think that nobody should go to jail for a plant, you can say not guilty. So in the future, you know, Washington, that's one thing I feel like we have a lot more educating to do regarding this, regarding um, our jury rights. Nope. Is that you know, yep. All these people out here are doing the same thing Lance did, and any of them can go to prison at any time. And if, if they they were to get in trouble... You know, they would want the jurors to know their jury rights. So we have to prepare. We have to lay down that education and the foundation of education so that in the future we're not found guilty regarding 
a Schedule One drug that says it's illegal. Imagine if you couldn't go anywhere and, and everybody knew about jury nullification in Washington right? State. You could never prosecute anybody in Washington State. Right. It, the war would be over. And another thing I want to yes, mention, ma'am. you know, about Lance is the government has a 98% conviction rate. 97% of people who are convicted plead out. Okay, that means there's only 1% that go to trial. Well, if their conviction rate's 98% and 1% goes to trial, that means that the 1% is is still a part of the 98% conviction rate. So for Lance to go to trial, okay, is extremely daring and very heroic. And for all of his people to snitch on him, you know, that and him being up there all by himself, when, when they were together, when they entered the business, when they got in trouble, they weren't. So um, I just I just want to say that Lance is a hero to us all. If you guys see him, send him a message on Facebook. Tell him thank you for doing this for our our, our movement. It means a lot, and it does. It means a lot. I, I, I sat there in the courtroom, and you too, Miggy, were just really into this. And the silly um, act that the government put on, regarding, you know, distribution of marijuana or having the marijuana, it just needs to start to crumble. And by Lance standing up and being allowed to use the, the state laws in the federal case is an example of how our system is crumbling it's before our eyes. Thank Lance. And I want to let everybody know that he will be coming on our show in the future. So um, check it out. And uh, <laughs> whew, thank, thankfully he wasn't, he wasn't found guilty on all of his charges. Yeah. So, Mickey, is there anything else you uh, want to add to Lance's story? Eugene, is there anything no. you want to say? Okay. No, I'm listening with fascination at this uh, uh, drama that's coming out on on uh, Lance, and it's just uh, unbelievable. Eugene. Cool. cool. You, you know, uh, listening to Eugene and George talk, uh, it, it reminded me of when I was a kid, because I grew up in a bad neighborhood, and you hear all the... And I grew up with people who should have been in jail, you know, people that actually hurt people. And uh, you hear, the, like, their gangster stories. And hearing Eugene and George talk and having their, 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 their story of, like, just for pot. And, 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 and that's what we're trying to prevent. We're trying to prevent young men going into prison and becoming old men when they get out. That, that means stuff. Ah, good way to look at it. Yeah, I like that, Biggie. Thank you. Yeah. Well, thank you, Miggy, for calling in today. We're going to bring Stephanie Landa on next. She's got she's she's got a 501c3 now, and now she's able to raise commissary money for our prisoners. So we're gonna we're gonna find out how our listeners can help our prisoners. All right, Lana, you guys take care. All right, thank, thank you, Miggy. Thank you very much. Thank you. Oh, and if you guys want to check out um, every detail of this case, you can go to tokesignals.com, where Miggy has written article after article after article. Every day he went home and was so compelled to write about Lance. And every detail of every day is in Miggy's article. And they are those articles are good and fun. Fun. In fact, I think I might take them all and turn them into a little book about Lance's trial or something if I ever have time. But, yeah, check those out. Next we're going to go to Stephanie Landa. I'm going to put her on the line right now. Good morning, Stephanie. Hi. How are you guys? How is, how is Freedom growing? Good morning. Good morning. Mm-hmm. Good morning. How's the how's how's the champion fundraiser doing? Oh, thank you very much. <laughs> but it's not true. But you, but it might be true. Like eventually, it might be really, really true. 
we have like a lot of things in the works and we're going to do the high times cup and uh high times actually gave us our own 10 by 10 booth and Aww. um yeah so like that'll be really good and we're um we're hoping to raise lots of money actually maybe 10 grand or something but that isn't the exciting part the exciting part is that we ha- now have a website. It's not done, but it's in the process of being done. Uh, but it does have a donate button. So it's really easy. When I told Tom, oh, I have a donate button on my website, he handed me his credit card and put $100 on it like, to see if it will work. And it works. Like you just you could put anything <laughs> on it. It's a PayPal. It's, it's really amazing. And for my first bank account, Freedom Grow has a bank account, and my attorney actually took me to the bank to get it because he didn't think I was really capable of doing that by myself, but it was a lot easier with him. Funny. He answered all That's the questions. It was, yeah, well, you know, everybody knows I'm like a cash and carry. You know, I just like put the cash in the post office, and this is all a whole new thing, but I think because I can give write-offs to people for their taxes that they're going to treat me like the Salvation Army and give me money and I give them the write-off and then I can take care of the prisoners. It, like, fits together so perfect. So that's what I've been doing. The other thing, I want to say one thing about federal trials since I've been through them and I've been through, I would say, 20 different trials that were federal maybe 15, but somewhere around there I've sat through them. And the federal government, and I'm not telling people not to, I'm not telling people to take a deal. That's not really what I'm saying, but they have a 99.9% conviction. And so anybody that, that stands up to the government that I've seen stand up to the government has gotten 10 years plus. Not saying that my five years was any big deal, but it was still five years and not ten years. So that's, I mean, like I said, I don't really like to tell people to take deals, but when the feds come in, it's usually over. That's what I have to say. I don't want, you know, I don't want everybody to be mad at me now and go, oh, God, she wants us to No, 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 it depends. You know, like Josh and Debbie um, they were facing a lot of time, and they took a deal. And the reason why is because they have children, and they can't, they can't, they don't want to go to prison for the rest of their life. So, um, they right. they chose not to fight it out. They felt like the government had too much evidence against against them, and they they didn't feel competent in our. It, um, even if they don't have evidence, they'll make it up. It doesn't right. matter. They want to keep yeah. that ninety nine point nine percent conviction rate. They don't want to let that go. Stephanie, no. so, uh, I'd, like, I'd like to make a point about what you're saying. Uh, you say take a deal. Uh, let me tell you what, 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 what the, that means. Uh, let, the, let me say this to the audience. It happened to me in my trial. They said, you won't do a day of your time. You won't do a day in prison. All you've got to do is testify against your friends. You got to snitch. That's what a de- that's what a deal is. A deal is a deal no, is just sitting down with, with reasonable no, people. That take is a deal. Not true. 
I took a deal. Everybody in my case took a deal. Nobody snitched on anybody. No, they didn't even ask us to snitch, actually. But um, that's not true. That's not true that you have to snitch in order to take a deal. You have to not go to trial. That's the deal. If you you agree to not go to trial, then they will give you a deal. Because... I know this for sure. Maybe in your case they want you to do the snitch because you were at the top of the chain. But we were yeah, you know, three people they did, involved they did in my tell case me and, and all of us didn't snitch. They None did tell me in no, no uncertain terms that I had to testify against people. That was the only way. And uh, the ironic thing was they told me I, didn't, I wouldn't do a day in prison. Uh, they wanted okay. me to wear and a wire. Well, and, the and thing test- is that I wasn't trying not to do a day in prison, and I was trying to get a lesser sentence. So doing not a day, yeah, I could have snitched not done a day in prison too, but that wasn't the, I'm not telling people to take that choice. I'm telling people to take a lesser sentence instead of going to trial, because in trial you're going to get okay. slammed. That's what I'm saying. I, and not to and I, I understand, not. and I, I agree with what you're saying there. That can happen, and I've known... I've seen it happen to some people, yes. In other words, you're saying you, know, in you, your can't, case, you, you might can't have win to in court, and you're right. Years. Yeah. Yeah. You can't win in trial. Like, I haven't seen one person win yet. I just haven't seen it. You know, it's I mean. Happen. 100%. It's going to happen, Stephanie. I know it is. And once that yeah. happens, um, but um, while everybody opening, hundreds of people are doing 10 years plus while yeah. it's happening. Like, and yep. I don't know if I, like, can, in good conscience, I don't know if I can advise people like that. Like, Noah Kleinman, I advised him to take a deal. Like, there was a lot of people that I said, you know, don't do this. But everybody else was like, oh, yes, you know, stand up for your rights. I don't know. Everybody's going to prison for 10 years that or life. That doesn't sound like a good piece of advice to me in federal court, not in state, but in federal. So anyway, I'm just really sad that everybody's going to jail. Really, mm-hmm. really sad. But oh. I'm not sad about the hot chocolate. I ordered 100 pounds of hot chocolate from Vermont and this really good chocolatey, chocolatey chocolate. And so we're going to have like really good hot chocolate at the booth. So please, everybody oh, come God. by, and and Kristen's going to be there. I, I, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> well, what are the weekends? Two weekends. I just wish. I wish. I know. I wish too. That would be like really classic. So I would. You could stay at my house. I'll let you stay at my house. And Jean knows I can't have anybody stay here. <laughs> Stephanie, I want to say this, Stephanie. You tickle me because you, my good friend Stephanie is is the uh, uh, perfect example of, of, a, of a hippie girl. I'm saying this in a positive way. And oh, here she you. is. Here's who she is the first time in her life. She's going to have a bank account. <laughs> no, I already have one. I, think, I already have it. I think that's wonderful. I think that's wonderful. In the couple of years I've known you, Stephanie, this is the the first time you're going to have a bank account. I think that's just wonderful. Right, Mm -hmm. but the irony of it is that the Bank of America is where I have my bank account, 
and the lawyer went with me so I wouldn't say anything about 1969. That's all I have to say. <laughs> <laughs> all right, My so really good people... friends know what I'm talking about. <laughs> um, when is the High Times Cup? Is um, uh, the 28th? It's the last weekend in January and the first weekend in February. Okay. And it should be really, really fun. Like, we're... The place that I'm at, the Oz Village, they're going to have a whole village of, like, 100 booths. So I'm hoping that every booth kicks down. Like, that's that's our plan, to tell everybody that they have to give to the prison outreach program. And cool. so, cool. yeah, and, you know, and, and the dispensaries have a hard time getting any write-offs, so this would be a write-off for them. Cool, cool. You could do All it right, up there, well, too. There, Freedom Grow. How can people, <laughs> how can people um, we got your web- website. It's freedomgrow.com? No, dot .org. Dot .org, okay. Freedomgrow.org. Freedomgrow.org. And, and you can just go to anybody it. Listening, anybody listening can yes. go to it. Yes, and anybody anywhere can go to it and click. You know, and I think you could give, like, $5 if you want. It doesn't matter how much you give. You know, well, five dollars is like five dollars was like a week's worth of slave labor for our prisoners. So you'd be saving our prisoners a week, a whole paycheck, paycheck. I know, I know, I know. It's really, really crazy. So five dollars is really crazy, but a long way for our prisoners. Yeah, and a hundred dollars goes even a further way, and usually that's how much each prisoner gets is a hundred dollars. So get your list ready, by the way, because it'll be the end of the month. We'll have a list, and we'll get to send it to your people. Okay, well, thank so, you, Stephanie. Is there anything else you want our listeners to know about? No, I love you guys, and I will talk to you all really soon, and I'll see you soon, Kristen. I love you, too. I hope so. <laughs> I love you, too. Bye. Right. Bye, Jean. Bye. Bye-bye. Bye. Okay. Um, so we're we're about to go to Mindy. She's got an update. But first, real quick, I want to tell everybody that uh, Bellingham 3 up here could be facing some good news soon. Um, they went to court last week, and, they, you know, they're, 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 they're prepared to go to trial. However, um, at court last week, there was talk between the prosecutor and the judge of letting letting them get off of get, dropping the charges, basically. It's not official yet but hopefully this thursday it will be official so stay tuned for more information about that we will also be having martin nickerson on our show after it is official to talk about the nightmare being over hopefully so keep that in mind right now we're going to hear from mindy who's got a prisoner update and a defendant update um she wants to talk a little bit more about josh and debbie good morning mindy this is also the producer of this radio show how are you doing this morning i'm still doing okay Kristen. good morning guys um, Good morning. You had mentioned you had mentioned uh, Josh and Debbie already this morning, but I just want to make sure everybody knows that they are um, facing sentencing on January 29th at 9 a.m. And I'm just going to read to you a little bit of what she says. Our battle is almost over. Please join us for some good old-fashioned court support at our sentencing at the posted date, which, again, was... Um, January 29th at 9 a.m. 
Depending on our judges' levels of wisdom and compassion, one or both of us could very well be on our way to federal prison just two weeks from tonight. And this was posted several days ago. Um, Many of you know we have been going to, what we've been going through for a year and a half now. Five dozen of you have written amazing letters of support and that we are grateful. No matter what the final outcome, we know we we are so loved. Uh, if you can make it to this sentencing, it would mean a lot to them. It is at 700 Stewart Street in Seattle, Washington at the U.S. Federal Courthouse. You do need your ID to get into a federal courthouse. They respectfully ask people to wear appropriate dress and green ribbons if you have them. Um, and there's also a parking structure on 8th and Olive, if, um, if that's helpful. So, And you're coming out, that, Mindy, all the way from Portland. Yes, I will be there. Um, and uh, I, I just... Um, I'm really hoping for uh, what they are hoping for, which is wisdom and compassion of this judge not to put two parents away from their family and um, for doing what a lot of people are just are doing legally and happily around here. Hmm. Uh, as far as prison outreach update, I want to make sure everybody remembers Scott Walt. Scott is getting out. I was thinking it's Monday, but Monday is a holiday, so it may not be till Tuesday. After 21 years in federal prison, Scott is finally being released. He is out of Arizona, I believe. And if you just type in his name, Scott Walt, into um, your um, search engine, you will find his GoFundMe page. I highly suggest that you check it out. Um, Even if you can't donate cash, maybe you might have something else that would help Scott in um, re-entering into this world. Maybe you have um, a brand new pair of sheets for your bed that Aunt Matilda sent you that you can't stand and Scott can use. You can send a message to his, his you know, to Scott or his advocates on that page. You can also find Scott on Facebook. Um, it's not really Scott yet. It's Scott's advocate, but you can find them there. So um, being in prison and helping the inmates or the prisoners while they're there is is amazing, um, but our work isn't over. You you don't you don't come out of prison after 21 years the same, and you certainly don't come out um, ready to face the world the way that that we all would like to hope. So any uh, support we can give Scott or anybody else getting out of prison right now is is just as important as pre the pre support we give them. I'm sharing that on my page right now, Mindy. Um, so that our, any of our listeners want to um, donate, you can go to Voices of the Cannabis War Facebook page or Kristen Floor Facebook page, and there will be a link. You donate. I see he's got to go find me. You want to buy him a pair of pants. I mean, he's going to need soap. He's like been in prison for over 20 years. In fact, um, I mean, he said he's basically lost everything and been through lows of most of us would never understand. He's paid dearly for his mistakes and looks forward to a second chance. So with that said, um, he needs. It says he needs things such as a place to live, clothes, and other simple needs. Um, he will need to be available upon his release. So far, they've raised two thousand eight hundred forty-five dollars. Um, but to me, that's not much when you need to buy. You know, like he needs a place to live. So that's going to take up a big chunk of that. 
and he's going to need maybe something for next month. I'm sure he's not going to buy a, find a job between now and then. So he's going to need a couple bucks to get him through for a while. So um, that's beautiful. Um, $2,845 is what this, this man has gotten. So he needs more. So check out the Facebook wall and um, click the button and donate. Absolutely. Is there any other statement you want to give to us? Nope, I think that's it for today, Kristen. Okay, cool. Um, next, we are going to go to Tom Corby, who is a human solution chapter leader in Northern California. Tom um, had face charges hit his own time at once and got um, saw how the power of support helped him. He does a lot of prison outreach, and now there's a few people in his town that are facing charges that he does nothing but help on a constant level. So we're going to listen to him talk for a few minutes, and then I'm going to, we're going to go into closing. And you don't want to miss our closing. It's great. So hang in there just for a couple more minutes after we hear about Tom. Good morning, Tom. Good morning, Kristen. Thank you all, MCCHI, for sponsoring these shows. Uh, when we talk about... Uh, Rescheduling, I like to think of descheduling. Uh, it should have never been scheduled. No schedule. Uh, and what, what Stephanie was saying, uh, bless her heart, uh, it's true on a federal level, <clears throat> they shoot for 99% conviction. Uh, as long as cannabis is in Schedule 1, uh, even like Eugene said, Schedule 2 <clears throat> is almost worse. And uh, why is cocaine and meth in Schedule 2? And our medicine, uh, just a plan, a medicinal herb, in fact, <clears throat> why is it in Schedule 1? We must deschedule cannabis in 2016 and uh, end prohibition of free all our POWs. Uh, when, uh, you can go to the, the humansolution.org and join us and help you the solution. Uh, you can write prisoners. Court support so important. Uh, uh, you can also use our calendar. Go to our calendar and post your events. Uh, if you have a case, uh, get a hold of us. We can help you. Uh, uh, muster court support and help advocate with your case with the attorneys. Uh, in Northern California this week, uh, we have a sad case with Alex Lyon. Uh, he's my granddaughter's age, 26 years old. <clears throat> he's uh, my neighbor. I'm actually on his collective. Also, Dr. David Allen's on his collective. Uh, you can, you might be sorry for that. Uh, he was busted on November 2nd. I uh, spent 40 days in view jail. Think about that. 40 days in view jail. Oh, mm. my gosh. For, for a collective, mm. uh, it was completely legal under our 215-420 uh, uh, collective, uh, which is in uh uh, what's unique about uh, Alex Lyon's case, uh, of the many cases I went for and my own, uh, Charnel James, uh, she's awesome here, and uh, she's in Yuba City. She's a civil rights attorney. Uh, she she uh, also uh, is taking on lawsuits against uh, these girl bands uh, in California, especially Northern Cal. You've heard about them. Uh, we're bringing injunctions in lawsuits. I want to jump in the middle here. Uh, injunctions in a lawsuit uh, against the counties uh, for stepping stepping over 
uh, uh, or rice to have our medicine. And uh, that's uh, AB 2470 is our cell calcium growth, and they can't step over our rights. So we're bringing lawsuits against the county, and uh, Butte County setting the precedents as usual. Um, Dr. Alex Lyons' case uh, is really unique because Charnell James waived his right to waive time at uh, free arraignment. Uh, I quote Lee when I talked to her, she said, Friday, we're going to arraignment. I said, you're going right to arraignment? It's not free. No, we're going to waive this right. So he's taking them right on to trial. What's that say? What Kristen was saying, if more people would take them to trial, I think only 5% of people uh, uh, take them to trial. Most people plead out. And on the federal level, you're kind of screwed. As long as it's in Schedule One, they're not going to—they're going to suppress the evidence. And uh, sometimes you just have to take buy for the best deal on a federal level. Sad as that is, uh, yeah, because that's why we have to get it out of Schedule One. So Alex Lyon, uh, he has all his discovery. Uh, he's worked his case. He's got a—he's uh, 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 a, a business major. He has a degree. He's smart. When they when they bust people like us, they make a mistake because we're coming hard, and we want taking him right straight to trial. Uh, he goes to uh, PTC, that's free trial conference, uh, this Thursday at 8:30 a.m. That's number one Core Street right here in Oroville, California. Uh, if you could come and support Alex, uh, we not only come. Uh, to support our defendants that come to bear witness to the injustice that's going on inside these courtrooms. Uh, it's uh, incomprehensible, folks. Uh, we also get together uh, ongoing meeting with the right point people. We meet new people. We get new cases. So court support is so important. I strongly suggest court support. Uh, these letter-writing campaigns, I'm right behind Lance Gore, Gore, I want to thank him for standing tall. We also have right now of uh, Antonio Vescaro. I'm sure you've heard. He's spent, he spent the longest time in federal prison than any other, even George Mark Toronto. Thank him for talking again today at Craig Cecil. 36 years. Can you imagine 36 years? Uh, so we're, we're uh, doing a pardon uh Request for pardon uh, campaign also for Antonio Vescaro. Uh, and that, not, that address again is so important that the DOJ Office of Pardon Attorney, uh, 1425 New York Avenue, 11,000 Washington, D.C., 20530. Uh, these letters are so important. Uh, so, right today, uh, I want to thank everybody. Uh, for another great show, all the great talkers. Uh, let's end the prohibition in 2016, and don't forget to breathe. Thank you all. Oh, thank you, Tom, very much. We appreciate it. That you guys, that was uh, Tom Corby. He is one of our heroes for us. Um, he's there in Northern California. So if you live in Northern California, you'd like to get involved. Tom is right in the middle of, he does events up there, um, there's the Benno case going on up there, and Tom is regularly there to help get that a fundraiser to help help James Benno stay out of prison. So if you guys uh, want to join Tom, show up an event, 
um, write a prisoner a letter, just send him an email. It's Tom, K-O-R-B-Y. You can find Tom on Facebook. Um, and like you said, if you want to join his missions to end prohibition, he's part of the Human Solution, you can go to their website, THSI.org. They offer a beautiful group of people all over the nation that gets out and shows up in the courtrooms and, and helps people from going to prison for a plant. Um, if there's not anything else left that Eugene or Minnie want to say, then I am going to go into the closing. Eugene, is there anything you want to say? Uh, no, just uh, just keep strong like uh, Tom says. Just keep strong and we'll keep working at our advocacy to turn this whole situation around and it will happen. Okay, cool. Well, thank you, Eugene. Um, uh, you guys, we are really happy to be able to host this show for you. Um, and we are happy that CCHI 2016 gives us this platform for our voice. Um, there are other shows that CCHI provides off this platform, so you could check those out. They're really cool and fun and, and good. We've actually listened to them, and uh, Mindy and Eugene have been on a couple of them. So check it out. Um, and please keep in mind, we can end the war right now by not giving the government what they want. That's What they want is you to say guilty, okay? If we say not guilty, the war is over instantly. If we stop snitching, they don't have anything against us. They don't have people to get up there and say bad things about us in, in trials, and they won't basically have much of a trial if we don't, have, if we don't give them the information. Um, the thing is, is when we, when we start to snitch, we start telling the government more and more and more, and then that makes more and more and more for somebody else to have to face later on while you get out of it. In fact, we had a, a show on snitching in the past, and it was a really good show, and one of the things that a lot of people on the show said is that if you do it, you should pay for it. You should do the time if you do the crime. So check it out. No more telling. Um, that's, that's something we're taught as little children to do, and now we get older and we turn into adults. you got to let that go. So thank you, CCHI, for giving us this platform. Um, we want to also thank all of our prisoners for holding hold it down for us behind bars and for taking the risk and for being in prison and um, in, taking that stand because if they weren't there, the rest of us would be, that's for sure. They're going to hold those, hold those positions open for our plant prisoners. And it's unfortunate that they are there. So in order to get them out of there, we want you to help us in prohibition for them so they can return home to their families and so other so people don't have to actually die um, in this war. Like my father, Richard Floor, who owned five dispensaries in Montana after they were federally raided, he went to prison. And he was so sick when he went to prison, they had no idea how to take care of him. Those nurses and doctors don't take care of our plant prisoners at all. And my father was just too much. After four months, he died a very, very, very miserable and tormenting death, uh, shackled to a hospital bed, because our plant is a Schedule One drug. We also want to say rest, rest in peace to Gary Shepard and Mary Jane Jones, who were shot down by the federal government 21 years ago. Gary died, and Mary Jane Jones survived till a few months ago, and she passed away because marijuana is a federally Schedule One drug. We also want to say rest in peace to Jack Hare, who, because said marijuana is a Schedule One drug wrote a book, educated us, check out his book. It's called Emperor Wears No Clothes. We also want to say rest in peace to Bill Amorty, um, who was a good friend of Eugene. He passed away on the 4th of July. I don't know what year, but he was serving a life sentence in prison for our plant. All, all Eugene knows is that Bill came in from the yard one day and grabbed his chest and died from a major heart attack right there on the prison, prison ground. So rest in peace, Bill. 
you're always going to be remembered by us. Rest in peace to Peter McWilliams, who wrote us lots of books to help motivate us. He died for our plants as well. Larry Harvey, who was a defendant who died for um, who died fighting for our plants. Um, also, D. Young, rest in peace to you for giving us Adam. Curtis Cecil, who passed away, his father calls into our show every single week. Curtis died without his father. His father is serving a life sentence for our plant. We also want to say rest in peace to Spencer Coptis and Cashy Hyde, who are suffering from brain tumors. Two little children who were raided. Their caregivers were raided by the government, and they were unable to have access to their precious medicine anymore. They passed away uh, because their brain tumors uh, grew too big and killed them. And also rest in peace to Bernardo Fumo Martinez, who was such a close friend of mine, who was helping helping me and our prisoners um, get the information out to the rest of the world through videos and through little little things that he did um, to try to document how we can end the war. Also rest in peace to Oscar, who was one of Eugene's and George's friends, who, um, as Eugene and George put it, went to FBI in the sky. Please help us, and thank you for listening to our radio show because nobody ever deserves to go to jail or die for our plant. Thank you for listening to the show today, and um, check us out next week. We're going to listen to a song called No More War by Cushite, because I like it. Thank you.
While they kids education is growing more Funds spent for fly killing drones While CNN and Patriot commercials breed human drones from home Core scripted terrorist training in places you can't visit So the real plan of extinction you don't get it. The country surrounding Israel, the holy land is now being in W.O. committed. The war is spiritual, but through the mind, the actions is how they get it. Or should I say the strap? They say it's oil, but it's deeper than that. It's just more smoke to the mirror, so I radiate more hope clearer. Shed tears for my peers, the judgment day gets nearer. So I exercise mightier than the sword. Use the pen to paint the lines with conscious mind the world can explore. So maybe you can find out why they bring us to war. Some of the most powerful things the thought that has made of men. Some of the most cowardly shit that's ever known to Respect, loyalty, honor, love has all disappeared. And been replaced with gunshots, body bags, cannibalism amongst our peers. We should we murder by disagreements and we shake hands with our enemies. We shake hands with our enemies and murder our disagreements and put them on a pedestal with some sort of achievement. Being a man is not based on people you shot or how good you get right. Being a man is one who's able to feed his family when times are tight. We are in a recession, suffering with depression, so lower your Bibles and load your weapons. How many times must we pray before we start losing our blessings? How many loved ones must we lose before we taught ourselves a lesson? Reach one, each one, teach one, empower the